0: Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. and our service starts every Sunday at 10:10 10, 10 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you, and I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus. Through today's podcast. If you will, you can open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, verses 24 through 28. Many of you have heard the speech that Paul Harvey delivered all the way back in 1964. That's 55 years for those of you that struggle in math. He gave a speech as if he were Satan, how he would destroy the United States. Now, you could substitute the United States really for any country, uh, and it would still hold true for that country. You could even substitute uh, the United States for our name. You could put your name in there as well, and it would be a speech as how Satan would destroy me or you. He says these words, if I were the devil, I mean, if I were the prince of darkness I would of course want to engulf the whole world in darkness I would have a third of the real estate and four-fifths of its population but I would not be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree so I should set about however necessary to take over the United States I would begin with a campaign of whispers With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what is bad is good and what is good is square In the ears of young marrieds, I would whisper that work is debasing, that cocktail parties are good for you. I would caution them not to be extreme in religion and patriotism or in moral conduct. If I were the devil, I would educate authors on how to make lurid literature so that everything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies and vice versa. And then if I were the devil, I'd get organized. I'd infiltrate unions and urge more loafing and less work because idle hands usually work for me that's very true. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could, I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction and I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil I would encourage schools to refine young intellects but neglect dis- ne- neglect excuse me to discipline emotions and just let emotions run wild. I would designate an atheist to front for me before the highest courts in the land and would get preachers to say, he's right. With flattery and promises of power, I could get the courts to rule what I construe as against God and in favor of pornography, and thus I would evict God from the courthouse and then from the schoolhouse and then from the houses of Congress, and then in his own churches, I would substitute psychology for religion. And I would defy science because... That way, men would become smart enough to create their own super weapons but not wise enough to control them. If I were Satan, I'd make a symbol of Easter an egg and the symbol of Christmas a bottle. If I were the devil, I would take from those who have and I would give to those who want it until I had killed all the incentive of the ambitious And then my police state would force everybody back to work. Then I could separate families, putting children in uniform, women in coal mines, and objectors in slave camps. In other words, if I was Satan, I'd just keep on doing what I'm doing. Written back in 1964. What an odd prophetic word from a radio host about the current state of our world. Friends, this morning we're covering a text that Josh did a phenomenal job preaching last week, but I want to come back to it again as I think it would prove helpful to us all. We need to be reminded this morning that Satan is real, that Satan's real, that he is attacking, that he's destroying, and he is a lover of everything evil. And Jesus talked more about Satan than he did about heaven. The word Satan is actually mentioned 55 times in the New Testament, and that is not, uh, that, that's not even all the names that Jesus says about Satan. Friends, I want to remind you to make no mistake. Satan wants to shred your life. Several weeks ago, as we've been going through the book of Luke, I just cover the topics that Jesus was covering. We, we've been kind of going verse by verse by verse. And here we are, back here again, and we are talking about the devil again. Not because I enjoy talking about the devil, but because Jesus talked about the devil. So here we are. Several weeks ago, I had a a family as we were discussing the text that Jesus was talking about, and he mentioned the word Satan. I had a family that was visiting our church. They got up and they walked out. Oh, broke my heart. Right in the middle of my sermon. I got an email from the gentleman uh, a few weeks later. And he said, preacher, I'm sorry, we just had to get up and leave because you just kept talking about the devil. Friend, let me tell you, if Jesus talks about the devil, then we better listen. I'm sorry if that makes you uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable, but sometimes we just got to read the text for what it is. And that's where we are this morning. I want to remind you that Satan wants to shred our lives. He wants to destroy you and everything good God placed in this world around you. Today's uh, message is not meant to scare us as believers. That certainly is not true. But it is meant to impact us in a positive way. God is greater than Satan. Why don't you say that with me this morning? God is greater than Satan. Satan can't defeat God. Oh, God, God's already got Satan on lockdown. Oh, but friend, let me tell you, Satan can still do damage in my life. He can still do damage in your life. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 11, verse 24 through 28. Jesus has just healed a man who was mute. He was unable to speak, and the reason that he was unable to speak is because a demon had grasped his tongue. Well, Jesus drives this demon out, and this man shouts from the rooftops his praises for Christ. And then right after this incredible miracle that Jesus drives out a demon, he begins to use that moment as a teachable moment for the crowd that had gathered around. And in that teachable moment, Jesus pulls back the veil to a world that you and I cannot see with physical eyes. He pulls back the veil to a spiritual world and reveals to us some of the activities that take place in these spiritual realms that you and I cannot see. He reveals to us that there are entities in this spiritual world who are able to impact our physical world. And Jesus warns us. He warns us to make sure that we should fill our lives with God because if our lives are filled with God, they can't be filled with Satan. And so this morning, we want to read from Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 24, reading from the ESV, when the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, the unclean spirit, you could substitute the word demon, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, and finding none. So here we are in this spiritual world that Jesus refers to. Spiritual world is like a desert. It's dank and dark, and there's no water. There's tremendous thirst and want. And so he finds no home, and he says, I will return from the house in which I came. The house that we're being discussed here is a human. It's a a heart. It's a soul. And so this demon is looking for a home, and the home is in us. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Again, it reveals to us what a life is like without a demonic presence in it. It's clean, It's put together. It's been organized. It's like, guys, your wife when she has just done spring cleaning in your home. Now, I would say that a demonic presence would be when your kids come home and ruin the whole thing. Verse 26, then it goes. It goes out. And bring seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Verse 27, as he said these things, a woman of the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which it nursed you. And he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This morning, let's look at our first point. A demon's desire, Roman numeral one, is to dominate you. It is to dominate you. Out there, parenthetically, you'll see that it is there to possess you. Believers, you need to realize that you have been possessed. Believers, you are possessed. You've been possessed by the Holy Spirit. When you pray, you might say, Spirit, guide me, direct me, lead me. And that prayer of a righteous man will generally deliver on that promise. God's Spirit does indeed help us to navigate life. God's Spirit delivers to us spiritual power. God's Spirit, in many cases, will deliver to us physical power when we need it the most. God's Spirit gives us peace and chaos. It connects us to our Creator. It's the source of life. The Almighty God uses His Spirit to communicate with us as it possesses us and holds us. And yet, the converse is true with Satan. Everything I said about the Holy Spirit, the opposite is true with Satan. Satan also desires to possess us. It wants to come and go from our lives, or the Holy Spirit wants to stay. But these evil spirits consider our hearts a home. These satanic operatives do not want to lead you, guide you, or direct you. They want to lead you into trouble, guide you into pain, and direct you right into suffering. They are Numerous stories in the Bible where satanic forces give unnatural, perverted power to people to harm themselves. They battle addictions. They struggle with sexuality. Satan does not want to give peace. He wants to create a war in your life. He wants to ruin your relationships, damage your working environment, split your family apart, and eventually, hopefully, kill you. He wants to connect himself to you like a parasite. The good news is that Satan cannot take possession of what is already possessed. If your life is filled with God, if you've invited Jesus Christ into your life, then it cannot be filled with Satan. If we allow God's hand to be firmly fixed on our hearts, then Satan can't get a grip on our lives. Do you remember the powerful illustration that Josh used last week? What a phenomenal illustration of what it is like to be filled by God. God's presence drives out evil. It doesn't invite it. And friend, the more you invite Christ into your life, the more you come to him with openness in your heart, Lord, I want you, then the less Satan has a chance. In 1 Peter 4.8, The apostle tells us, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone who he can devour. The demon's desire is to dominate, to possess us. And we see possession quite a bit. And yet it also is meant to depress us. Depress us. And parenthetically, you can see their worry. Oh, that devil wants to drive us crazy with fear and worry. Look what it says in verse 24. This spirit, it passes through waterless places. What is it seeking? What is it seeking? What's that? Say it one more time. Rest. It wants rest. But what does it not get? The one thing that it wants. Rest. Rest. It's looking for rest. Friends, how many of you have seen people that are starving for rest, that just want a break, that the life that we have has become too much? Oh, it is everywhere. It's an interesting line in Jesus' statement That this demon he's describing, it's in a waterless place. It's thirsty. It can't find rest. It's never satisfied with where it currently is. I know a lot of people who are spiritually thirsty, spiritually exhausted, and completely discontented with this life. Generally, these emotions, I think, lead to depression. Oh, Friends, that's the plan of the evil one. If he can depress us, if he can discourage us, if he can depress us emotionally, we will struggle to serve God spiritually. So here's the good news. Satan can do nothing in the life of a Christian without God's permission. Satan always has to ask God, can I? And oh, friend, let me tell you, God has his foot on Satan's throat Do you remember the story of Job? God was looking out over all of his creation, and he came across one of his prized creations, Job. And then Satan comes in Job chapter 1, verse 7, and God asks him, From where do you come? And listen to Satan's answer. From going to and fro on earth. Doesn't this sound like the scripture we just read? Satan is seeking out the dark, dirty places of the world, the waterless waterless places. He cannot rest. He cannot find peace. And he says, from going to and fro the earth and walking back and forth. And then the Lord begins to talk about Job. Job, he claims, is a blameless and upright man. And Satan's response pointed out, Well, God, the only reason why Job is blameless and upright is because you've been protecting him his entire life. We see that this passage, in spite of his power and wicked agenda, the devil then asks for permission when it comes to the life of a child of God. And God has placed divine protection around Job. You can be oppressed to some degree, but if you're a Christian, neither the devil nor a demon can ever take control of your life. Friend, let me remove any fear that you might have. If you are a child of God, you are protected by God, and therefore Satan ultimately has no power in our life except that which we give to him. Now, that is an added caveat there. If you're a child of God, If you're a believer in Christ, Satan has no power on your life except that which we give to him. If we give to Satan fear, well then Satan will use it. If we give to Satan worry, well then Satan will use it. If we give to Satan our families, well then Satan will use it. Satan has no power over us that which we give to him. The devil wants to pull you down before God. He wants to accuse you. On more than one occasion, Scripture referred to Satan as the accuser. Romans 12.10 calls him the accuser of our brethren who accused him before God day and night. He wants to point out every flaw, every failure, everything that you've ever done in your whole life that you would be ashamed of. Satan wants to broadcast it to God. Satan wants you to believe that you're not worthy of God's love. That you're not approaching him on the basis you are not approaching God on the basis of your worthiness. You approach God, I approach God based on Christ's worthiness. In 1 John chapter 3 verse 8, the apostle tells us whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Satan wants to dominate us, to possess us. He wants to drive us crazy with worry. He wants to depress us. But then he also wants to disable us. He also wants to disable us. Listen to what it happens in verse 25 and when it comes the spirit it finds a house swept and put in order then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and dwell there And Jesus called Satan many things he called him the enemy in Matthew 13:39 called him the evil one in Matthew 13:38 Called him the prince of this world, not once, but twice. John 12, 31, and same book, verses 14 through 30. Called him a liar and the father of lies in John 8, 44. And also a murderer in John eight forty four. 44. These are some fairly descript adjectives. So this evil spirit finally comes to a home and it's put in order. Maybe this person has an unusual strength. Maybe he is a disciplined man. And maybe the schemes of the devil he refuses for a while, but eventually he has overcome not with one spirit but seven others. And they take what is organized in this person's life and they create a disaster. It reminds me of a teenager whose parents are out of town. They give the teenager the key to the car, the key to the house, and they say to that teenager, be on your best, what? Behavior. So that teenager picks up a phone after his mom and dad have already left, and he calls one of his friends. You know the story I'm about to tell? Hey, man, I've got a car. The house is here. I'm here by myself. You want to come over and hang out tonight? What do you think that guy on the end of the phone's going to say? Uh, yeah. So that kid comes over. By 10 o'clock. Kid goes to his front door, opens it, and guess who's standing there? Five more. Hey man, we heard we heard your house uh, that, that uh, we, we just wanted to come over and we heard your parents were out of town. Is that cool? Kid says, Well, okay. He opens the door, and now it went from one to six and seven counting him. And then maybe an hour or so later. He opens the door, and guess who's standing at the door? 20 more kids. Hey, we, we got a phone call. And then, and then as he's looking out the door, he sees it. There's a keg of beer waiting outside of his door. And they bring that in, and the next thing he knows, he looks up, and there's a kid swinging from his parents' chandelier. <laughs> Pictures have fallen off the wall. It's crazy. There's red cups everywhere. They've pushed his parents' furniture to the side of the wall. And there's a makeshift dance floor right there in his living room. I've seen movies like this. I've heard stories like this. But that's the way it is. Mom and dad show back up to a house that's been thoroughly destroyed. And friends, that's exactly what Satan wants to do not to just your physical home, that's not a very much consequence to him, but he wants to do it to our spiritual souls. He wants to disable you, to damage you, to discourage you to the point where you have very little desire to serve God ever again. And Satan will lie to us and tell us that Jesus doesn't love us. He will tell us that the church is too bureaucratic. He will tell you that the church is filled with hypocrites. And that it's not with the times. He'll tell you that, uh, to invite the spirit of alcohol in your life. He'll tell you to invite the, the spirit of prescription drugs in your life. He'll tell you to open the door to adult websites and movies. And it's all in an attempt to convince you that your life is better with him than it is with God. And in doing so, we medicate ourselves, we numb ourselves to the spirit of God, and we, pre- and we prevent ourselves from having any real influence in God's kingdom. These demons and devils are difficult. However, Jesus has power over all of them. Power to clean up the dirty. He has the skill to take what is in disorder and reorder it properly. Again, filling your life with Christ. And these battles that we wage against these temptations, we don't have to wage alone. Christ is there. A demon's desire is to dominate, to depress us, worry us to death, to disable us. But then here's the last point. It's also to discredit us. He wants to discredit us. In particular, those of you that are in a limelight serving God, he wants to discredit you most of all. In verse 26, then he goes down and brings seven other spirits with him, and they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that person is worse than the first. Last year, it was tough to be a Southern Baptist last year. The CEO of the Southern Baptist Convention, a former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, he had to resign because of a moral failure. A prominent seminary professor, or excuse me, president, who is supremely influential in shaping the Southern Baptist Convention was fired because of how he handled inappropriately a potential cover-up of sexual abuse that occurred on his own campus. It was revealed last year that some 300 Southern Baptist pastors over a period of several years have been convicted of sexual abuse. This doesn't include the list of men in pastoral leadership who had affairs on their wives and left them high and dry. And we see it all the time. Godly people who mean well, who entered the service of ministry to help other people share the gospel, and yet they have discredited their lives because they gave Satan a small foothold. By the way, it doesn't just happen to pastors, to SBC leaders and CEOs. It can happen to me, and it can happen to you. I had a a pastor one time tell me I was 21 years old working my first job in the ministry. And he said, Stuart, all it takes is one decision, and you can lose everything. One poor choice. And you can lose everything. And he wasn't just talking about my finances. He wasn't just talking about my security. He was talking about my good name. And the good name that I carry in my heart. The name of Christ. You see friends when Satan discredits you. He doesn't just discredit you. But he discredits the name of Christ in the public forum as well. That is where the real embarrassment comes. Friend, for me to lose my life is one thing, but for me to discredit the name of my Savior in the public forum, oh, what a horror that would be. When we call ourselves Christians and we perform shady business deals, when we have affairs, when we peddle in addiction, we stir up strife in the church, we post social media posts that stoke uh, bitterness instead of blessing, And all the like, we're opening ourselves up to being discredited. And friends, I know this is true because just like you, I have to struggle with these things as well. I'm not saying that I've got it figured out. I don't. But every day, we have to commit ourselves to winning the spiritual battle. Do you remember the story, lastly, from Mark chapter 5? Two and three. It's the story of the demon possessed man. Listen to the story. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He had lived among the tombs, and there was no one that could help him anymore, not even with chains. This man's reputation. Of a demon-possessed man had preceded him, he was an unclean man living among the corpses of tombs and graveyards and was possessed by the same unclean spirit of depression and domination that we're reading about this morning. But here is the great news. The great news is this, is that what Satan means to discredit, God desires to qualify. The good news is that the most every character in the Bible made huge, massive mistakes, and God totally renovated their lives. He renewed their ministries and gave them significant spiritual power. They suffered consequences. God doesn't remove consequences, but they did big things for the name of the kingdom. I would imagine if any of these characters who are just like me and you humans, if they were able to stand here today, I believe they would tell all of us to heed God's words and don't fall into the satanic traps that they fell in. All children of God, all capable of making phenomenal decisions and poor decisions, and yet all gave to Satan a foothold in their life to make poor choices. I want you to do me a favor this morning. I want you to embrace Christ, embrace Christ, and run from Satan. Let's pray about that this morning. Father God, we come before you thankful that we get to come and worship you. Lord, we know that you are supreme, that you are the boss, and that, Lord, Satan has no power over my life but that which I give to him. And so, Lord Jesus, today, help us to be committed. Committed to running from him and running into your arms instead. Lord, help us to repent. Lord, forgive us for the times that we fail and the times that we fall. And, Lord Jesus, today, help us not live in a world of discouragement and depression. But, Lord, help us to choose life. Lord, we love you. Thank you for coming to defeat the works of the devil. And we are celebrating today because we know that you did it with the hammer of the cross. And we pray these things today in your name. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this morning, I would like to invite you to make a decision. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast. And we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube, and at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.